Hello, welcome back to the Man of Burnt podcast, everyone. We're on episode 30 today. Yay. Yay. Uh, as you can hear, it's uh, it's myself joined by Lily, as always. Omnipresent, as usual. Yeah. And today we've got two special guests with us. We've got Aaron. Hello, I'm Aaron. And we've got Josh. Hello, I'm Josh. Hello, you two. And uh, yeah, today our planned topic is 3D printing, specifically based around miniatures, uh, as as a lot of our podcasts are, are revolving around these days. Um, but over to you, Lily. What did you want to say? Yeah. So um, first of all, um, and before I give Aaron and Josh the floor, you know, thank you so very much to you guys for being on board here today and, and being part of this very special episode for us. Um, and thank you everyone who has support us up until this moment in time because i don't think when we started this i can't even remember when that was now two or three years ago that yeah, we would a couple of years on, yeah that we would be on episode 30 and it's it's been great and you know now that alex has remarked on that particularly the the input and the support from the wargaming community and from the minis community has been really really um you know mind-blowing i don't think we ever expected this would be such a prominent issue and topic that we would talk about um, through different stages of the podcast and the blog. So, you know, thank you so much for actually giving us the the chance to do that and to invite new topics that we hadn't really explored beforehand in the podcast. And yeah, just that I'm just really, really happy. And we are actually recording episode 30 on my dad's birthday. We, it's, it's even more beautiful. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you so much, everyone. That's that's what I wanted to say on that front because um, it just makes me very happy. So there you go. And yeah. now, if that's okay with you guys, I don't mind who goes first, but please tell us a bit more about yourselves, what you do, and you know why, why you're here today to talk about 3D printing and educate us all about the craft. Mm-hmm. Josh, do you want to go first or do you want uh, me to... You, you can go first. <laughs> okay, I'll nervously go first. Uh, guys, this is my <laughs> first podcast I've ever been on, first of oh. all. So I just got to put that out there. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. That's uh, uh, It's really fantastic. And yeah, um, so I'm Aaron, uh, 30 years old. Well, oh, no way, I'm 31 now. I can't even remember my age. I'm getting <laughs> to get to that stage. <laughs> I live up in Scotland, uh, Glasgow-based, uh, but... And yeah, I've been into miniatures as you know for as long as I remember. You know, I remember spending my pocket money on blister blister boxes in Games Workshop, uh, which was called at the time, and you could actually afford a miniature on a week's worth of pocket <laughs> money. I don't think that's possible for most kids these days, but <laughs> I remember going in with my six, seven quid and being able to get grab something each week. Um, none of it ever got painted so not much has actually changed uh, I do manage to get one miniature done probably every co- a week or whatnot at the moment but uh, yeah and um, when it comes to sort of 3D printing I've been doing that I've been interested in 3D printing for a number of years but I was kind of waiting for the right time for it um, which I felt was uh, sort of like late last year so that's when I got my first 3D printer and started really going into experimenting and having it running. I've pretty much had it running all the time, almost since I've got it, uh, which is costing a lot of resin, uh, but uh, I've learned a lot along the way with doing that. 
Uh, so my 3D printing Instagram thing is Mini Skills UK. Uh, and when I'm not doing 3D printing, I am a full-time ecologist for a large engineering company. And that has me running around all over the country, all different habitats and whatnot. I specialize in bats. So I'm out late at night I, doing bat catching and all sorts of technical stuff to do with bat surveys. And then I use the 3D printing sort of side and my small 3D printing business to kind of like basically just help for pay for some of the hobby stuff. Um, because I don't know, my hobby bills seem to be going up very, very steadily, <laughs> consistently yeah. going up and, uh, I don't know how I keep spending more and more every month, but, uh, yeah, so I yeah. needed something to sort of substitute my income, uh, before my wife got a wee bit too, well, to, um, it's not my wife getting so mad. She still gets mad when I come back with 500 pounds worth of miniatures from, uh, <laughs> Warhammer World. I, like, right. I thought my birthday was a good excuse to be fair, but, <laughs> <That's> fair, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's sort of a little bit about me. Um, and yeah, I look forward to discussing 3D printing miniatures in more detail over the next half an hour, hour, yeah. how long this is. An hour, yeah. yeah. Unless we run over by a huge amount, which happens quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh, go ahead, introduce yourself. So I'm Josh, I'm 28, and I'm from Litchfield, which is a small town in the in Staffordshire. Uh -huh. um midlands if anyone didn't know um famous for cathedral um i'm also the um owner and founder of a mental health gaming group called free spots gaming mm. which i set up two years ago um which basically helps people with their mental health through miniature gaming um teach them how to play paint or just a place for people to come and play um if they're looking for somewhere um so um that's of my main um what's that income but main sort of job and um mm -hmm. full full time stay at home care for my wife. Mm -hmm. Um and I've got two kids, uh five and seven. Wow, and, adorable. <laughs> and uh yeah, and I also got my I saw my own little Etsy shop up last month or month month before maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember now. Not not quite recently anyway and um that's called Litchforge mythics yeah. and i basically sell mystery boxes of 3d printed miniatures while print off yeah and i started 3d printing in november last year yeah. and yeah i've just learned to love it and yeah want to expand and yeah so you you both seem to have sort of got into it within the past year obviously yeah, pretty much. Uh, same, exactly the same time we've got our printers. <laughs> is that, is that a coincidence? Or do you think recently has been a good time to kind of jump on board? Well, it's definitely becoming more affordable. And I think what pushed yeah. it for me at the time, uh, it might have been the same as you, but Amazon Prime had like some pretty good offers on at the end of last year coming up to Christmas. And I managed to snag quite a lot of the equipment under like all the starting equipment under a deal at that point. And I didn't really know what I wanted to start with. I knew I didn't want an FDM printer um, to start with because I wanted the more detailed miniatures. And it just so happened one of the Delegoo printers came up on a sale. And so I picked up and 
just sort of started printing and didn't really know what I was doing at the start. Yes, I have this thing where if I'm trying to learn something, I have to do it like with my hands and actually mm-hmm. make mistakes in yeah, order for me to actually learn it. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I've watched hundreds of YouTube videos on 3D printing and miniatures and all that sort of stuff, but it just, nothing seems to stick or very little does. Mm. So I need to get the machine and you set it up and you constantly fail prints and clean out resin bats, <laughs> which yeah. isn't the most fun thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I think at that time, things were becoming much more affordable. I don't know if that's how you felt as well, Josh. Yeah, so I was quite lucky. My father-in-law brought me my 3D printer for my birthday, but um, my birthday is pretty much Black Friday every year. Black Friday weekend. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, um, I get all the good deals from birthday. And (laughs) I had a couple of friends who got 3D printers and, you know, they kept printing me stuff off, but they couldn't be bothered half the time. So I was looking for myself. And uh, I've been concentrating it for about six, seven months before that. And my father-in-law said, oh, buy one for your birthday. So I was like, okay then. And uh, yeah, so um, he got me one. And yeah, um, still just the Alagu Mars uh, standard one. Mm. Um, but it is, yeah, it's really good. And for the price and that, you know, um, but Aaron said the prices are coming down, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the Alagu Mars was 120 the other day on prime day deals oh wow okay so, I, i've not yeah. kept up with it so i, I kind yeah, of yeah so. looked into this a few years ago and it was everything was significantly more expensive than that <laughs> yeah so you know you can buy warhammer box for 125 quid yeah you yeah. know so you can get like a full setup for about 160 you know mm. basic setup for a 3d printer that's not so, bad these days and good quality yeah. one as well so I'm, I'm assuming you both use uh resin printers right yes yeah that's I think yeah, with the other type, the two main types, the FDM. You said that's the one that basically that's, squirts out the plastic, right? Yeah, yeah the plastic nozzle bed thing. I think there are more in the miniature scene. I think they're used a lot for like terrain pieces normally, yes. and yeah. sort of like bigger things which need you don't want the detail maybe as much, and you're okay because it's just gonna sort of like get banged about. Maybe used for gaming groups, etc. I think they're quite popular, yeah. uh, but I, I'd love to get one. Um, but it's the space for them as well. Yeah. I don't know yeah. where I'd stick it because they're much bigger footprint. Whereas like the Elegu Mars, you know, it's probably the footprint's like an A4 piece of paper, and then it just oh, goes wow. vertically yeah. from that. It's not, it's not massive. So, yeah, for miniatures, you don't need anything gigantic, do you? Yeah. I thought they were much bigger. Like, I mean, this is how unaware I am. I, I have no clue about technology, and I'm glad Alex has clarified the different types of 3D printers because I don't know. I just know that this is a machine that spits out <laughs> a mini that then I can paint. That's magically it. a miniature appears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought they would be like as big as you know those big sort of vaccine and printing machines that you sometimes have in offices oh. that are sort of the same height <laughs> as like, me. I'm not very yeah. tall. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is printers that go that big but yeah these yeah. the ones that uh like i've got a similar one to josh um it's it's not very big at all like i'm planning on getting a bigger one soon hopefully if they can ever come back in stock but um <laughs> yeah the, that's one of the things like uh, the saturn which is one yeah. of the, like the bigger version of the printer me and josh has is just it's like gold dust at the moment you can buy yeah. it on ebay for like three times the amount that it's actually wow. worth but yeah. um you don't want to do that you just you know just be impatient you know this is yeah. 
serving the purpose at the moment even though it's more efficient sometimes if you got to you know because it's all about like the build plate uh the size of the build plate and how much you can fit on it and it's not huge for the the mars but it's big enough to do 90 percent of like what most people want from miniatures sort of thing yeah. and fit a few of yeah. them on at a time uh but yeah they're not very big they're pretty quiet you know i don't mind it's just got like a c like a computer fan in the back of it and that sort of whirls away but you know i've I had mine on and i don't really notice that it's on except from maybe at first the smell that really started noticing i don't know George, do you have yeah. a separate room for yours or do you have your no your... uh, mine's actually on my hobby desk um i've got well i've got a little man corner in the kitchen uh, with my computer and my hobby stuff and it, yeah. it literally just sits in the kitchen and um i mean the smell wise i, I don't i can't really smell it unless i'm like up up close to it with the um mm. lid off um but when it's going and i, I can't really smell it um I tried to leave the door open for ventilation and, uh, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of I heard about the resin printers, kind of the drawback being you need a well-ventilated room, apparently. I don't know if it's a huge concern, but that's one of the things that kind of put me off when I was considering it. But uh, I, mean, I think you'd maybe notice it more if you're in like, if it was like a cupboard sort of like yeah. Harry Potter underneath the staircase sort of room where you've got you know, all, your, yeah. all your stuff there surrounded with you and you're kind of like your your 3D printer is also like a table for you or something like that, then maybe you'd be, and it's not very well ventilated. Yeah. Yeah, I find this room, I have it sitting in a corner. It's not particularly close to a window, but I find like when I'm doing my airbrushing, that smells more than what my 3D printer yeah. does or I notice that a lot more because paint particles are flying all over the room but <laughs> um i definitely don't feel it's i think at first i was getting some headaches but i don't think i think it was just me being paranoid about the smell not actually the smell yeah. causing it it's kind of like i don't know creating a bad placebo or some sort but after <laughs> a couple of days it was totally fine maybe <laughs> I, just got used to it. I think you get no like, you get nose blind to things don't you as well yeah. the more you yeah. the more you're surrounded uh with weird smells uh so the wife doesn't complain anymore so that's always a good that's always a good indicator to if something's going bad <laughs> yeah i mean i get i get occasional headaches if i'm like sitting at my desk all day while it's going you know if i'm right next to it most of the day um which some days i am like on the computer or painting all day um I, so i do sort of give it a couple of days break just to you know but um yeah apart from that um, you know, I have no problems with the smell or the noise, and I um, doesn't bother me really. So. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. And can I ask? Because again, I know nothing about this. I know like the very basics. So if if I am mistaken, please, you know, take me away from my misconceptions. <laughs> but obviously, you know, I know these things come out in in the support, which is all of the other residual um, resin that comes for the mini to be printed i guess and um like what what type of treatment do you need to do to that stuff to then make it you know okay for someone like me to to paint it and move from there because i i don't know if it was maybe one of the other printers that i've seen people working with like plastic and whatnot but i was under the impression that uh the minis had to be like washed or cleansed in a particular way and like exposed to like 
UV light with some form of special lab equipment. I, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it were, it sounded it's, really like it's not as straightforward as yeah, just push a button and a mini appears. Yeah, like so. What's what's the process behind it, and how do you guys like get to that stage? Like once once the mini is printed, what what else do you need to do, or what are you doing, or if you found any shortcuts or any methods that you apply? If if you can share that information, of course, I so, don't know if that's part of the magic. I um, obviously take the um, build plate off the machine and I put in IPA, isopropyl alcohol. Um, I use 99.9% uh, normally. Um, you can use less, I've heard, but I haven't tried less. Um, then you have to subwash it and then... Um, then dip in water to get the IPA out, then you have to cure it in a um, UV light. Um, yeah, I don't know whether Aaron wants to expand on that, what he does. But... Yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty much what I do. I, yeah. I it's A lot of time, I just I take the build plate off, uh, the miniature's hopefully stuck there, uh, I whack it off or get it off the build plate, and then I got like one of these salad shaker um, awesome. I don't know it's, it's like a it's like a tub. It has like a salad thing yes. inside it. That's full I know of, which ones you mean. Yeah, I know exactly the of, one you mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's full of IPA. I shove the miniature in there. I give it a up and down swishy swishy. Then I sometimes, depending on whether how clean I feel it is or how much time I have, I'll maybe stick. I've got the the UV cure and wash station thing that they they make. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, which it just basically spins the water around <laughs> really, really fast, or the IPA. So sometimes I'll do the wee shaking. I'll put it in there for three minutes just to give it another wee wash. But yeah, dip it in some water after that. Uh, but the problem is, like you, you can't. You need to make sure you're not like disposing of these things in a bad way. Like you shouldn't mm. be putting this water down the sink or anything like that. So you, I end up with like loads of bottles of like bad water and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and ipa which eventually you need to change it every now and then because as you wash the the resin off of the miniatures it sort of starts to dilute your um ipa and then i get where my ipa is kind of like in the sort of a view of my window so if i have the blinds open the the ipa the resin in the ipa container starts to cure oh, so i have right. to like put them in dark corners to keep them <laughs> as much as possible i don't know i try and change the ipa almost as few times as possible and um, just whenever i feel because it's quite expensive it's like another one of these expenses but as long as it's yeah. cleaning and whatnot yeah. um and it's not becoming like a resin liquid itself then it seems mm. to be okay but yeah, there's a. It's not just the the process. At the end, is you need to be careful, and you you have to wear gloves and all this stuff because resin does. It's like it's a chemical. It does burn you. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a splash on your wrist or anything like that, Josh, when dunking minis in and out. Or um, yeah, my the first gloves I used, I brought them offline, and I did said there was nitrile gloves, but wasn't. Yeah. And- Resin was just all over my hands, and I, um, um, luckily I didn't have much of a reaction to it, um, which I've heard a lot of people. But you have the skin burn. Uh, yeah, I think but, um, people. Some people get like really bad reactions to it. I've had yeah. it on my skin, and I can feel it's not good. 
there on my yeah. skin, but I haven't physically had a burn from it. I've had it yeah. once on a bit on my finger and like it felt a wee bit sensitive for a few days, but it seemed to go away, but it just yeah, I was just a little bit more careful after that. Mm. That so nitrate gloves, I go through a lot of kitchen roll as well. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. I I don't know how many times I've spilt resin a couple of times and that's a pain in the backside to clean right. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you clean that up if that happens? Because oh. I, I was wondering, you know, it's I mean it's some form of plastic like element to it at the end of the day how how do you scoop that up (laughs) i use a lot of paper the times it's happened it's because i've just been a little bit tired and haven't paid uh, paid as much attention as i should do and it's like it's when i'm cleaning up mainly if it's a failed print and i get a wee bit annoyed i want to quickly just get back in and this is this is every time it happens i put my little funnel on my resin bottle i stick my little paint filter in so no bits get back into the bottle i'm pouring the vat into it and then for some reason it's i've just missed the funnel or it's gone down the side or something and and then there's just all this resin all over the table and i'm like get into sort of like emergency mode and like grabbing all these paper towels to soak it all up and then getting the ipa after i've done that and just washing the table and then opening the window so if anything's still there it cures at the end of the day that's kind of my emergency procedure (laughs) nice well making a mess is always part of the creative process whatever you do so (laughs) that's all sounds normal to me definitely so when you've done a print i guess it depends on what you do but um in terms of having to clean it up in terms of any supports or anything like that i'm not too familiar with how resin compares to um the other kind of printers where like when you're printing how much support do various things need that need then removing so, probably... yeah go for it josh <laughs> no you sure so yeah i normally take the sports off in the cleaner phrase or majority of sports um then i'll just put them in a tub leave them outside for about a week to harden up and um just and then i'll just bin them um but yeah i normally do that in the clean um I dip them in IPA, then I sort of take the old sports off, dip them in again in the IPA, then do in water. And I, um, that's how I do mine. Um, but sports, um, it, it depends where you're printing as well, because some sports are a bit thicker than others, and mm. some you have to be, you know, for swords and that, you have to be really careful. You can't just pull them off. Some sports you can just pull off with your hand and. Uh, but obviously, if you got like thin swords, then you have to be really careful and mm. use clippers and you know, whatnot. Yeah, it can be a bit of a pain when you're taking off the supports and it's not been a nice print, and then you pull off an arm off a miniature and yeah. you're like, God, now I have to do that again. Yeah, or the tip of the sword or something, you know, something little. Uh, oh. Yeah, resin is so brittle. Uh, yeah. So, especially before it's being properly hardened uh, by the UV phase that you have to be really careful and then getting the supports wherever you want to put i'd probably put more than what is needed because i'd rather it i don't get a failed print and i have to clean up a little bit of supports than have yeah. a printer going for five six hours and then i take it out and for some reason it's it's not so printed off the guy's right hand or whatnot that's yeah. just it's a lot easier to file something down for like a minute afterwards and to Re- <laughs> to clean the resin vat and do that so 
I go quite heavy on my supports, uh, but I do a lot of, I focus more on lighter supports. Um, with heavy supports that kind of like, they call them like islands. So like points where the model's kind of like overhanging. Um, and there's and it's basically if there's nothing to support it, it'd just be trying to print a bit of resin in midair and it wouldn't actually attach to anything. It would just fall into the resin vat um, and not actually do anything and lead to a failed print going forward than that. So yeah, and there's a lot of, one of the big things I, fa- I found through is through the people that I support on Patreon and models I've bought on various websites, etc., like the STL files, is a lot of them come pre-supported, but oh, okay. the pre-supports aren't actually that great a lot of the time, or yeah, they I'm not don't that. work. Yeah. So what's just for us non non lingo aware people? What's what's the difference between a pre-support and a normal support? And when you say mm-hmm. you go heavy on them, does that mean that then you guys? have sort of the choice i guess i don't know if it's in the settings or in the files themselves to to actually determine how many supports you're gonna add to a mini for them to be printed or yeah how how does that work just so i can get it in my head you have like a 3d modeling software like a very basic version i guess you take your stl (laughs) file which is like the 3d modeling file from the creator uh, you put it in the into the software and it brings it up and then you can change the orientation uh what way it's sort of sitting so you can have it tilted and or flat and all so you basically there's a science in t- <laughs> behind getting the model in the right position first oh. uh because you can't want you can't i always like to print my models so like their face and like the good bits are kind of like facing upwards so there's you don't yeah. have to put supports on them and then you put supports on the back of the model where people's focus has got to be a lot less. So like a bu- yeah. bus models are like really easy to print because like no one ever really looks at the back of a bus model. So you can like litter the back <laughs> with, with <Yeah>. supports and <laughs> the front can be r- really nice and pristine. So like any photos that you see of them, the fronts always look really good. Um, but yeah, you, you orientate it and then you basically have like a tool and you kind of like you just click on the model where you want supports to go and you choose what type of support you want. So there's there's three presets normally in the software. So there's like light, medium, or heavy. And then you can tune these to even further if you want. Uh, I know there's, there's a guy on YouTube who does really good support videos and a lot of people copy his settings. Uh, I've totally forgotten his name right now. So if anyone knows who that is, <laughs> uh, he does all this stuff for one of the big artisan guilds or something like that i think he does all the support ceremonies but anyway you kind of like uh you plot them on wherever you want and basically it creates scaffolding around your miniature and then you can support your supports as well so you can put extra support on your supports Mm -hmm. to make sure they go all the way and then you just can't then from there you can export it to a 3d printing file and put on a usb stick and wait 10 now (laughs) it's between six and ten hours for it to come out and but yeah, it's it's it can be quite fun doing the three D, uh, like the actual support side of it. And um, once you've got your eyes in for it, I, I think that's one of the most daunting things for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But once you get your eyes into it and get used to what you need to actually do, it becomes you can quickly support a model in like five ten minutes. Um, but yeah, as... say so. <laughs> I was taking your word for that. Because <laughs> to me, I'm literally just literally I'm just looking at the screen like. 
panic face. Like, what? <laughs> Just click everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's when, once, and once you've done a few, once you've started printing and you've started, you you just have to realize you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get failed yeah. prints and you just got to take them on the chin. And mm. whenever I get a failed print, I take the model and I look at it and see where it's gone wrong and what, what I need to do to actually make it print. And so we just going back blindly into the software and just clicking all over the place to try and get it to go through. Um, but yeah, it's... It's, but yeah, some companies they will do the supports for you, and the, a lot of the Patreons and uh, the my mini factory miniatures say pre-supported miniature. But the way they pre they do they they obviously test them and stuff like that a lot of the time. Well, I hope they do, but they, it's always very specific to the printer, and these people are always wanting to try and get as least amount of supports on the miniatures as possible to make them look as clean as possible. Yeah, and they might work on their printer. On, on that day but when it comes to me who's maybe got a slightly different printer than what they've done it just might it not it just doesn't yeah. work so i've had a lot of issues with that and being quite frustrated and now i just don't i just don't trust them but I, you can use them as a base um to sort of put your supports around their supports i've done that a few times to speed things up too this this sounds like mini engineering and it's scaring me. So, yeah, I mean it pretty much is, isn't it? You know? Well, yeah. So on on that note, and now that you guys have mentioned the the actual process of putting supports and whatnot, like I know that Josh works with a specific license to print minis. Uh, can you guys tell us a bit more about how that works? Why you have that license and not another one, or or however that is the case. Um, cause I, like, I knew you had to like buy the files and all of this stuff, obviously when you are ordering something from somewhere, but I didn't realize that there were so many different licenses or what the differences were or, or why until sort of, I started digging into this a bit and I sort of just became really overwhelmed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I was wondering if, cause I know it's, is it cast and play that you work with Josh? Yes. So I went with cast and play cause, um, be honest that was the cheapest one i found and because i was just starting out i didn't want to throw like hundreds and hundreds of pounds in mm -hmm. uh, my etsy shop up and throw, you know no one to buy anything at all or you know mm -hmm. have nothing so i started with custom play and i still use them because the models are great for a start i, I um, mm. love the models as well um and yeah um it, it's basically just patreon basically you pay um for the rights to sell them, basically. Um, mm. Along with you mentioned they're the creators of the miniatures. Now, um, I mean, I don't know if, if other one's different, but cast and play just need crediting, and that's it, really. Um, okay. And you obviously pay your fee each month, and you're allowed to sell them in, until you stop paying your merchant fee, basically. Um, but there's thousands of patrons what do it now. Yeah. Um, it's quite it's hard trying to, to use. yeah it's trying it's trying to the when i was trying to find the good patrons that had the fewest people on etsy yeah. at the time that was kind of like my my sort of yeah. view because i was like what's the point in printing something that someone else is already doing i don't want to be a competitor to someone really i want to print something that no one else has got and i don't have to worry about that side and yeah um so I, I started off with a uh, one called Print Your Monsters, 
uh, they did a, a big terrain set called um, I can't remember what this terrain set was called but it had loads and loads of terrain pieces basically of all different uh, plants and rocks that's what it is they did oh, a wow. kickstarter for plants and rocks and it just had so much on it I bought the big bundle on kickstarter or my manufacturing campaign I think it was and then I paid them the merchant license which allows me to put all that stuff onto an Etsy store and just credit them um, that's almost thought, like a copyright if I'm understanding it correctly it's like you're paying for copyright yeah. to, to then be able to yeah you're basically giving something to the <laughs> artist aren't you you're, you didn't yeah. create them you didn't yeah I don't have enough talent to do that sort of side of it as much as I'd love to learn how to do it um, yeah, so you... yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, obviously, if you're going to make things originally, then it's a kind of a bit of a bigger task to kind of get into 3D modeling stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and I think a lot of the people who the artists I've seen, they don't tend to do the 3D printing side of it, except from testing it out for themselves. Like, um, they they don't seem to sell their own models a lot of time because probably because they're making a lot more and actually just selling the STLs and they've putting all their time into that and faff about with I think there is a few of the bigger ones that you can't actually buy merchant licenses for and they sell their 3D printed models um just themselves exclusively. But yeah, the yeah. smaller ones are you pay them like a, a, a monthly fee, which is normally quite reasonable and yeah, you can print as much as you want. The, the thing is for me is trying to find the time to get all on Etsy. Uh because that takes a lot of time. I didn't, I didn't appreciate how long it takes to actually create all these listings. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. We've all got experience of that, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I end for limited stock on the, I'm, I'm mainly focused on mystery boxes anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. But I've all, always said to people, if they want a certain miniature, let me know and I'll put in a mystery box for them. Yeah. You know, unless it's a like huge miniature, you know like yeah. a massive one but um i will put a miniature of someone once in a mystery box if they request it you know yeah um, i've done the same yeah. with i started a couple of mystery boxes over a couple of months back and i always say oh is there anything you want in there and uh, there's to be part of it and a lot of times they just go yeah and it's quite easy just to include one of them in there yeah. So slightly less of a mystery mystery box. <laughs> I mean, it's still a mystery because obviously I sell um, three miniatures in a mystery box, so I yeah. only, I, I only allow them to change one of them. Otherwise, uh, okay. it, yeah, it's sort of not the whole point of a mystery box is having a surprise, isn't it? Right. But, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll let them pick one if they want to. If not, you know, so we'll st still get two random miniatures. So. Right. So I guess with the, the how time consuming the three D printing is, you you're not going to want to take tons of custom orders, are you? Yeah. Or... I was going to say if you had to take every single request of in my mystery box, I want this one tiny little elf and this other thing and this other that because you know if if you're running like you guys were saying, I guess one of the functionality aspects of the machine is that you want to be able to print as many minis in one go as you humanly can. So if, yeah. if you're on a schedule, you sort of want to have like almost like a production chain, I guess. So today I'm printing this, 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 and this, and this, and we'll see how how it ends. But yeah, I mean, and also at least from when I when I was looking at um, the 
the files from custom play that that you sent me like there seems to be loads uh, yes like, hundreds yeah <laughs> how how the hell like who has time to go through all of them and say oh yeah i totally want this this and this i mean i'm sure there's people that do that yeah <laughs> i know people obsess enough with this hobby to do that for hours and hours on end but <laughs> um, i guess you know particularly and and that was the other thing i was going to ask you guys like i suspect that <clears throat> there is a kind of a type of customer that is interested in the type of products you guys sell, whether it's mystery boxes or specific things. And like, I don't know to what extent they are more war gamers or just people who like the minis for whatever other reason, like, I don't know, RPGs or something else. So I suspect that if you're kind of using them just for an RPG, you don't particularly care, you know, a bandit just has to look like a bandit rather than a specific feature somewhere yeah, or, or do you have people quite specifically asking for things I, I don't know if you can tell us a bit more about that that would be great so i my customer base what i've seen are people who just like painting miniatures or rpg mm. dungeon dragons that kind of mm-hmm. things um i did have a request for one of the skeleton things what came out this month for from custom play uh, model in one of the mystery boxes uh, which luckily I did bring about three of them off anyway, so you know I could do it. But I normally have a like um, a backlog of about ten boxes already made up, um, mm-hmm. just in case I do get because uh, I sell them at my local gaming store as well. Uh, the boxes, um, nice. you know, just help him out as well. Obviously, pandemic, you know, mm. um, we sort of split the profit fifty-fifty from that. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, so. Um, I sort of have a backup about 10, and um, when he sells out, I'll give him some more or forget loads of orders. Um, so for requesting miniatures, I normally have my printer free for, you know, um, requests anyway or commissions or, you mm-hmm. know, anything like that. So. Yeah, you're far more organized than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I when When I get an order through, I go... Right, let's get this in the printer and start yeah. printing it off, and then uh, it can hopefully it comes out, and I can get them out within sort of a week most of the times, unless you get unless I get a bunch of orders. But then my yeah. Etsy stores not has got all the individual stuff on it, as well as a couple of mystery boxes, <laughs> and I don't, I can't. So I've kind of like got both ends of the <laughs> to worry about, and uh, <laughs> it can be a, a wee bit chaotic. It wasn't too bad when I was working from home uh, because uh. I could just turn around and turn uh, mm. switch what was on the printer. But now yeah. I'm like away a lot. It's uh, it becomes a little bit more of a, a juggling act. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds very familiar to me. Mm. <laughs> I think in terms of both mine and Lily's experience with running Etsy stores, yeah, Lily's, I'm Lily's a bit Josh. more organised. <laughs> I'm definitely with Josh in here. <laughs> I'm more chaotic, yeah. Yeah, this organized chaos doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm quite organized because obviously being a full time carer, you never know when I'm needed. Um, yeah, and obviously with two young kids as well, you know, That's um, fair. you sort of have to drop stuff and you know, <laughs> a couple of, couple of days before you put another print on because you know can be quite busy and you know um so yeah, yeah i try to keep that like and i always allow up to 10 working days for commissions and stuff as well so hmm. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I think I've got up to 10 working days on most of my orders at the moment, just so yeah. it gives me at least some time to, to do it. And I know I don't normally need that long, but, you know, I can sometimes I'm way I've been way down in Norwich for like seven nights recently and it's like I've got no I can't take my 3D printer in the back of my car as much as as I'd love to <laughs> and set up, in a, set up in a hotel that but it has crossed my mind I was like yeah I mean you said how small and handy they are yeah, yeah I think I mean... it is entirely possible but you know what hotel like uh, fire alarms yeah. are like they go yeah. off when you spray deodorant too close to them so I don't know yeah. what they'd be like with a chemical printer in the room <laughs> But yes. uh, yeah, um, the haphazardness definitely uh, needs to be infused in my end. I I kind of wanted to pick up on something that Aaron has just mentioned about like working from home and stuff, and just kind of from your point of view, just about just really printing overall and minis, and you know, like you guys said, it seems that recently there has been better deals and all that. Do you think the pandemic might have something to do with? these deals and these materials becoming more accessible just because maybe there is more demand as people have been more at home or is that just simply coincidental because it's it's something that i've noticed that it seems like like it was getting there and either it's just been an absolute complete you know situation of the planets align and it's not the moment is now or, or i was just wondering you know if if because more people are obviously have been confined to their homes and and maybe have had more time for a hobby and things like this. This is kind of just developed and and everyone's kind of just decided, yeah, okay, let's jump into the cart now before it's too late. You have I, any thoughts on that? I think it's um, technology advancing. Personally, it's like you know Xboxes now. You know they go cheap when the, the next generation comes out. Right. Um, I think it's that because I mean three D printers now you can print like living organs and everything from them. Um, the oh, yeah, I guess. you know, not like the ones we got, you know, uh, <laughs> you know uh, but you know, um, so technology is rapidly advancing, and I think mm. over the past couple of years with 3D printing, they've got so cheap because you know, ten you know, the, the old generations that's of the old models now, they've got new models right. which are faster, quicker, you know, um. And more importantly, cheaper, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. Um, yeah, so. and I think I think a lot of people might look at, like, what's on the market and uh, maybe think they need to get the best one that's out there as well. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I don't think there's a huge quality leap between sort of, like, the Mars to Mars Pro to the Mars 2 Pro or what, whatever it is, like, with the 4K screen. I think it's yeah. mostly just the time it takes to actually print something is a lot quicker. Yes. Um, yeah. It's not actually the quality that's increasing very much or to a point where we maybe notice it as miniature enthusiasts, maybe to someone who's like really, really into stuff and might do, you know, you always get the people that want the latest big yeah. computer yeah. screens or yeah. thing, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it's like, it's yeah. like a new console, isn't it? You know? Mm. You get yeah. it, but do you really need it at that point? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I do think in general, just a lot of various, you know, hobbies, indoor hobbies, have obviously had a bit of a boost this past year or so. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, that's part of it. But it's probably I just good timing. Yeah, that's kind of pandemic helped the hobby industry. You know, mm. games workshop. I mean, if you saw games workshop sales and that, that you know. Yeah. rocket this year because of pandemic because right. everyone's been at home everyone's trying to get armies painted yeah, and, yeah. you know everyone's had time to do it so 
you know, sure. I, I think same with 3D printing as well. More people have had time to sit down and learn how to do it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a good time to try new things for a lot of people. Yeah, mm, for sure. Mm. Yeah. It was just something that I, I was wondering. And yeah, because obviously I appreciate it's a very time consuming thing to do. So, yeah, I guess you kind of take it in the back of your car. But, you know, if you try it, Aaron, let us know how it goes. Just out yeah, of curiosity. Don't, don't spill the resin in the car. Yeah, I'll send a print of first print in the car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Printed on the M8 somewhere. <laughs> Might be a bit wonky. Yeah, yeah. I'm not too, but it's, it is good and it's a lot of fun. And I always, I, I one of the things I like about the, the sort of mystery boxes is that I get to print stuff that I'd potentially want to print for myself and get to have a look at it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> before, yeah. before yeah. maybe uh, it for myself um, because good. there's such a huge library of things and it just uh, when i when i first got it i went mental with how much i was printing so i've got a huge backlog yeah. of all this stuff printed <laughs> like i've got a, a, the biggest things i've printed which is totally possible on such a small printer i've got kyle Katarn's lightsaber from jedi oh. outcast wow um, oh, old wow. star wars game and i've got a star lord blaster as well from, <laughs> Oh, wow. from marvel uh that was printed in four pieces but you know some oh. super glue two-part epoxy and uh whatnot later it's it's all together That's and then cool, also yeah. printed uh a pistol for one of my friends as well from star wars i can't remember which one it was uh one of the k66 blasters or something and he's right. printing uh, he's painting that up and it looks fantastic so yeah. it's just I've got all this stuff that I need to print. Uh, that I've got wanting to paint, but not enough time to paint it, and I can't keep printing off stuff for myself. <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah. keep growing and don't have any space for it. So, but the the three D printing store is a good opportunity to print stuff off and be like, all right, I've seen that now. I've kind of got it out my system in some ways because I've printed it off and I've yeah. had a look at it. Don't necessarily need to print it now, but if I know what it looks like in the future, if I do want to. Mm. And I guess if you're um if you're not actually planning on you know selling these things there's tons of stuff out there that you can just you know print for personal use for free isn't there yeah like my mini factory yeah. has a lot of stuff on it and uh yeah you can find stuff all over the place you can have free printed like small little gubbins for or and kit bash sort of stuff for mm. space marines and whatnot and i find that's pretty good because it saves me having to buy them from someone else and can just have a look at them and they can sit in a drawer and they're only just small pieces so they can just they tend to get used quite a lot because you know i can just break them up and put them on bases etc when needed so it's, i think yeah. that's one of the good things about 3d printing is you can get the gubbins to make things look more more cool and stuff um on bases yeah. and whatnot yeah i mean i'll print stuff off for my daughters and i like my youngest daughter's obsessed with Smurfs. <laughs> trying, to find, trying to find Smurf toys these days is like, like just cheaping my money. So yeah. for a birthday, I did print like a little Smurf village off for her. Oh, and yeah. like, oh what the hell? And, uh, you know, and uh, some um, Tokabee egg cups as well. Oh, what? That's cool. You know. So, uh, you know, I've, I've done stuff like with the kids. And... Yeah, I was going to actually, one of the one of the things I was going to ask sort of in a more lighthearted way was, what was the most bizarre thing you guys had ever 3D printed, whether it was for an order or purely for personal use? Because, yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen some people do some pretty crazy stuff with them. 
Uh, but I, I wanted to see how far you guys had pushed it. So I guess you kind of have already answered that question. I've got <laughs> one thing that I printed, which probably no one else has ever printed. But it's like, uh, so since I, like, I do a lot of bat work and I've, that's sort of like my speciality and mm. one of my other hobbies, uh, I 3D printed a bat detector selfie stick. Um, what? A, bat, a bat detector <laughs> selfie stick so for chris I, 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 there's no it's not out there on the internet it's one of the things that i managed to somehow cobble together on a 3d application but oh. it's like it basically looks a little bit like a, a selfie stick it's got a slot from a phone to go in uh, and be held horizontally and then it's got a slot at the back for my bat detector which is like a usb bat detector uh, to fit in perfectly and then it's got a little hole for the cable to connect from the bat detector to my phone and it means and they're not like carrying my phone with the bat detector because you kind of get like interference and they start banging off each other and whatnot so yeah. it just keeps everything in a little handheld thing that i can wander around and point it and whatnot so that was my that's probably one of my favorite things that I've 3d printed <laughs> no one else in the world probably ever want one. <laughs> I definitely did not expect that um, to have been an, an answer to this question. Uh, Josh, can you top that up? <laughs> um, no, probably not. Uh, probably just Smurfs, probably the most bizarre thing I've printed. Because, uh, yeah, that's cool. Smurfs are good. <laughs> and in, in terms of custom orders, um, obviously, I, I suspect you guys have a, a variety of things that you may get through can you maybe talk about one that you really enjoyed doing or something that really I, I don't know i guess maybe it was really out of your range and you went like oh i have to do this thing and kind of was interesting from that perspective so my first custom order was probably rob's necromunda stuff mm -hmm. yes well mm -hmm. um which was really fun doing because you get my throwing ideas at me and he just basically told me to run wild with it so you know i was up for hours and days searching stuff for him and, and I, I, he's done a, such a good job with it really? that, that miniature is fantastic like all that stuff he's done is fantastic yeah it's um he's done so, you know I, i'm sort of looking and think well I'm, I'm proud i'm part of that kind of thing yeah uh and here i thought i love printing hero forge minis um yes they're a lot of fun <laughs> yeah because you sort of creating a character for someone and you know he's sort of get that element of well that this guy's going on a huge adventure now and into the unknown and you know you, you've created him for this person and you know um i've printed some off for lily before and she seemed to love him so um yeah our um for, yeah. for those of you who follow up our we alex and i play with some of our friends a witcher campaign and uh, one of our friends has a dwarf medic, Tabib, <laughs> and it was um, it was his birthday last month. So um, James and I spent some time on the computer doing through Hero Forge the the, the character, and it was quite fun. Um, and yeah, then then when Josh printed out, it was it was exactly just like we had sort of envisioned it as a as a mini and we were painting this mini um it was the first mini they had ever painted before so it was it was really cool sort of knowing that we had gone through that whole process and having someone like josh who genuinely spent so much time making sure it was right um because yeah. i didn't 
didn't have a freaking clue about it. And he was like, oh, when you print it, make sure that you have so format and this and that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. to say. I have cool. no idea. Um, so, I, I have yeah. always been kind of curious what the quality of the like Hero Forge stuff comes out like if you buy it directly from them or whatever. But I guess if you I mean, print it I, yourself, that's better. I have brought one model from them, the standard plastic one. And I'll be honest, um, the mounted charge. Yeah. You might as well just save your money for a 3D printer because you can print so many, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, the quality is just as good, okay. you know. Um, I'm not sure what the premium stuff's like. Right. Um, but they're standard stuff. It's just as good as your normal 3D printer. Okay. Um, I've just finished a commission as well for some Star Trek ships, which oh. confused the hell out of me because <laughs> I... Have nothing to do, never watched Star Trek, right. never been into it. So it was like asking me all these different ships, and I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about. <laughs> I'd be the same. Uh, <laughs> but it was like, yeah, it was like eight different ships, and I was like, oh, okay, um, I think we'll go for you. But, you know, um, did, yeah, so that didn't was ask for a Borg cube, did they? That <laughs> Don't even need a 3D printer for that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was um interesting and fun um annoying as well because the ship's so brittle because they're so small right every time you sports up now you like wing snaps or oh. something like that and it was just like, yeah but he seems happy with him anyway he received him yesterday i think so nice. yeah and he said he was happy he, so. tells me, <laughs> I think... he tells me that he's very happy so i can oh, i can provide good. reassurance <laughs> that he's much impressed because uh, <laughs> i was like i think uh because oh, obviously I don't have any ships in Star Trek, so <laughs> I was hoping like I'd got more right and that, and you know, but yeah, it was uh, that's the most weirdest, frustrating one I've done. But I enjoyed it as well because something new and different. But hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm currently working on a, a commission at the moment, um, which is going to be a paint job as well, uh, and it's Ooh. off like a plague doctor um, bust. And the person wanted it done in a trash polka sort of style, so like black and white with like a red accent color. Mm. Um, so I've never painted black and white before, so that's gonna be a challenge. But then I've also I've drilled out the eyes and I'm drilling a hole through the center, and I've got LED lights to put into oh. its eyes as well. Oh wow! So that I'm kind of working on that slowly. I haven't posted any pictures of it yet because. Uh, and can't wait until I've just finished it, and so there's not going to be probably any work in progress stuff for it until I'm done. Um, but yeah, it's, I put the, the the LEDs in the eyes, and it's the first time I've ever bought LEDs for a miniature, and it's, it looks really damn cool. So I'm looking forward to getting that print, uh, painted up. Um, it's three in the queue at the moment. Third <laughs> in the queue. So yeah, I'm looking. It's sitting there, and it's looking at me all the time, like paint me. So. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, cool. Yeah, you've you've definitely made me think more about 3D printers again because, like I said, I kind of looked into it a couple of years ago and I was like, uh, maybe not. I've got too many things I'm spending my money on already. But <laughs> seeing, um, you know, hearing about, you know, all the fun you guys are having with it and the kind of different things you can do with it. Because me personally, I I don't do a lot of miniature painting or anything like that. I, yeah. I enjoy it mm -hmm. when I do it, but um. Yeah, I like making stuff with my hands already. I do lots of woodworking, but mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's things I don't, you know, I really can't be bothered to make physically by hand. So maybe a three D printer would help with that. 
Well, if you ever get one, just and you want a hand with any of the setup process yeah. or whatnot, or figuring out the software, then I'd be more than happy to yeah. to help you through that <laughs> them steps. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously the coolest thing to do would be to eventually be able to do the 3D modeling, but I've mm -hmm. fiddled with that sort of thing in the past and. I don't, don't think it's yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather prefer. I've been looking into. I really want to do clay sculpting. Like I find that a lot more interesting than um, actually doing it in the yeah the software. <laughs> It'd be good if you could physically make something, scan it, and then just you can. That's the thing. You can now. Like they have three D scanners, and they're becoming like more affordable too. So oh, okay. eventually, we'll all have three D scanners in our arsenal, and we'll just yeah. 3D awesome. scan Games Workshop stuff and print 3D. Yeah, then they're it. really screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they're done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, but I mean, for £200, you can get a pretty decent setup from like getting your 3D printer to your resin to your um, little tub for your IPA. Mm. Uh, the only thing what's expensive at the moment are the gloves because obviously we've just come out pandemic. Oh, right. And yeah. It's 15, 20 quid a box, yeah. um, you know, trying to get much cheaper than that. Um, yeah. It's quite hard. Um, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask about that sort of, obviously, the daily, not so much daily, but, you know, for, for someone, I, I guess, you know, it's one of the things that I always think when I go into something new, like if someone was to start this tomorrow, you, you don't always realize like the amount of maintenance that goes into it, whether it's from a financial point of view or from an actual doing point of view. So actually, that's a nice point of reference, Josh, because I, I suspect people wouldn't think about that, like the gloves, like you kind of just take them for granted. Um, and it's it's a very fair point. And I was just wondering, like, about the resin and stuff. Like, how how easy is it to get access to it? Like, do all three D printers use the same type of resin? Like, even the resin ones, or are there different type of resins? And how do you choose? And do you buy them in bulk or not? How how does that work? Because one of my friends has a three D printer, and he seems to go through it. Like, if it's I don't know, washing up liquid, you know, it's just <laughs> constant yeah. stream. He always seems to be getting more and more and more. Um, and I think he has the same one that you guys use, the, yeah. the daily glue. So I, 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 it kind of gave me the impression that that was perhaps one of the biggest expenses. Um, I, but I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. You you get a lot for for what you put in it though yeah. so like a bottle of resin like i buy the one liter ones i just buy them when it like as i need them sort of thing they're yeah. about 30 quid for a bottle and the amount of stuff that you get out of that is considerable like you can get a, quite a, quite a lot out of it so when you look at the price for the resin and how much you actually get out at the end of the day it's really good value for money it's definitely you're definitely printing more than what's in a games workshop box of assault intercessors yeah. or whatever uh, you're getting like probably three or yeah. four times as much as that so and then you can do stuff like if you're printing out busts you can hollow them so you're using less so it's just mm. thinking about what you're printing and yeah. the most efficient way to print it but gloves resin your the screens on the printers that can go uh, they've got like a lifespan um i've not yeah. had one go yet but i imagine i'm somewhere close to the end of a lifespan of my first 
LCD, but they're not too expensive from what I remember. How do you mean the uh, screens? Can you, I, I, I'm just not picturing so exactly kind of, what that is. So like the way like a resin printer works is if you think about like, it's kind of like a phone screen that sits under oh, okay. at the bottom of the printer bread and it, it only displays in sort of like UV and black. And then basically every time it exposes a layer, and that's what it shows on basically the screen at that time. And it shows it in UV light. And that cures the resin basically on the build plate at that point in time. Then it turns itself off. The, the screen turns itself off. The printer bed moves up and down to let another layer of resin sit in between the model and the screen. And then the screen turns on the next layer for about seven, eight seconds. And then it repeats that progress, uh, that sort of process over and over again until your mini miniature's done. But the screens have a lifespan. I think they're about 10,000 hours or something like that. Mm. I remember right? Yeah, supply, yeah. And then once they're well, quite long, uh, and the new ones, like the 4K ones, are like three or four times as much as that as well. Uh, yeah. And yeah, once they go, you need to get a new screen and just replace it. It's supposed to be relatively easy to do. But I can't remember what the price is for a screens, but I think don't think it's I like, think they're about twenty six quid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't yeah. seem yeah. like a lot of money. It's not yeah. and then very much, is it? So yeah, yeah it's not it's yeah. just turning on a very black and white image basically. And also uh, the resin beds or the I think the resin vats they that hold the resin, they've got like this really like it's like a screen protector sort of like bit of plastic yeah. at the bottom of them which uh, allows like the screen to obviously shine through uh, but that can get damaged and you might need to replace that every now and then depending on how abusive you are to it um, and how you fail yeah. prints you get or if you leave a tiny little bit in mm. it punctures it but you know for a it's not very I think you get 10 quid you can get a whole bunch of like replacement things for it it takes yeah. about 10 minutes to replace one it's not yeah. as difficult as people make out to be on Reddit and whatnot. Uh, so that's another consumable, but mm -hmm. I've probably only changed mine twice in the last sort of six to six, eight months. Yeah, I've ch only just changed my first one since November last year. Wow. So, <laughs> mine, you know, my, mine just lasted quite long. It's, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, as with everything, there's a few expenses that to keep it going, but it doesn't sound too bad really compared to other mm, things. It sounds, oh, yeah. It's probably about as much as if you're like have airbrushing as one of your tools, like yeah. you know, like going through airbrush cleaner and airbrush thinner and stuff like that. I probably spend as much <laughs> keeping my airbrush maintained as I do my three D printer at the moment. Uh, I just picked up on what you said about the screens, though. Um, when you said there's four K screens, is there is there actually a consideration with having a higher res screen? Does that give you more detail or something? Or? It. It speeds up the process, yeah. basically. Oh. Uh, so they're like monochrome. I think they do call them monochrome or something uh, now. Yes. So like they're they're yeah. specifically more built towards like three D printing. Whereas I think right. in the original ones, they were kind of like reused all the screens. Uh, you will get. I don't think you'll get actually that much more detail because of the, like the, the size of like what we're actually printing it's yeah. not going to increase the pixels per inch to a yeah, point where it's going to make much of a difference but on a bigger print bed it probably would make a little bit more of a difference but when you're talking small is i don't think it's a huge amount yeah so the one i did say i've got six out print the 4k one probably do in about three to four hours okay so, oh, so that really has a big that, impact so it's basically 
curing it faster in, in between the, the movements then it seems yeah yeah basically yeah it's about yeah. three to four seconds for one of the new ones where it's like seven to eight seconds for the old yeah. ones so mm, okay. nearly half in the time that's pretty impressive yeah yeah I, uh, this is quite mind-blowing for me like i didn't <laughs> realize there was so like i think i suspected there was so much to it and that's the reason why i've never been terribly I mean, I'm I'm just an absolute mess with technology. I uh, this is why most of my friends are, uh, you know, tech-like people. I, <laughs> I, I, the only reason you're friends with them. I, I don't, no, it's just not. It just happens to be a mutually beneficial symbiosis. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, when when you think about it, there is like not a lot of stuff. Like now that you guys have broken it down, it's not as overwhelming. As I think I had uh, got the impression from like YouTube and things like that, it seems a bit more digestible when you have someone that has been doing it for a while to explain it to yeah. you. Well, I I try to speak to my mates about who own them, and they say, "Oh, they're pain in the ass. They're you know they're, they're not worth your time, kind of thing." Mm. And theirs kept breaking. I'm not sure mates still got, but they kept having to replace stuff every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it did kind of put me off. But then obviously. And father-in-law said, oh, I'll buy you one. I was like, oh, oh, you know, I'll no. try it. <laughs> exactly. So um, I haven't had many issues, I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. I think um, it's one of these things you know. that you get what you put into it. So if you're right. rushing about and just trying to mm. do things with not much thought, then you're going to get more fails and you're not going to have as much fun in that sort of thing and things are going you're going to get frustrated and things are probably going to break yeah. because of that and you're going to pour resin all over your carpet or something like this and you're not going to have a good time but it's just you just got to take your time and have a little bit of fun with it and realize yeah. that you're going to make some mistakes along the way but um yeah just learn from them and next time you do it a wee bit better and it's not too much to it, it is quite simple once you've got the basic sort of process down yeah, yeah it's just keeping with that I think it um, kind of depends at kind of what perspective you're coming at it from. So if you're kind of expecting, which I think a lot of people kind of do, for you to just press a button and a thing to be done for you, then you'll actually see the process and think, oh, that looks like hard work. Yeah. It's, if you're it's already kind of... Hobby. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're prepared to actually, you know, if you're already into making things anyway by other means, then just another tool that um, can do yeah. more stuff it seems so yeah definitely it becomes its own hobby and as long as you can't I think a lot of people think yeah as you said you can just plug in and play but it's not that you need to you do need to do a little bit of sit down and spend a little bit of time just learning the craft as you should do with anything really you can't just mm. it's yeah. like you won't do woodworking you don't just grab some wood and hammer it together and <laughs> to get something nice out of it you know yeah. <laughs> maybe when you start off but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but there is lots of good YouTube videos, three D printing. I found. Yeah, um, I've, I've learned most of my stuff, how to do stuff, uh, for YouTube, really. Um, hmm. So you know, anyone could buy one, look on YouTube, and you'd be able to set one up easily and get them printed um, within a couple of hours from setting up. Hmm. Really, that's yeah, should be pretty ideal for that because yeah, there's a lot of good tutorials for pretty much anything you can imagine online and yeah people always ask me for help with like techie stuff in my family but it's like 
can't you just look it up yourself? I'm just going to go on YouTube anyway. <laughs> I don't just know much. Google it. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. just going to go Google it, so I can't you. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I you guess... You need know, to be prepared to, you know, exactly. spend the time learning. It's, it's yeah. the expectation that you need to absorb some knowledge and it may require you to, you know, just absorb that process and then implement the process, which, you know, it's, it's not... I guess, um, like... For someone like me, who if it involves a screen, I'm already made put off. <laughs> it's you know I I can understand why, even though I know I'm doing exactly the same thing that I would if I'm making something like trinkets or painting the mini that comes on the other end. But I, I guess for me, because it's it's a lot more visual and and tactile when you're doing you know things not through screen i i sort of get it a bit more but I, you know it's it's just the type of learning um and any excuse that i get not to be in front of a screen of course i'm just like technophobic so that's that's fine but yeah i'm, yeah. I'm also becoming aware of the time so um I'm, I'm gonna try and start wrapping this up so just um i mean i think we've kind of summarized some of the um good things that you know if, if a completely new person comes on board and hears this they, they can roll with that but i was also wondering if you could tell us a bit more of the uh, coolest mini that you've printed and perhaps painted so actually done the full process and maybe as well for the people who like painting if you've noticed anything that works better uh, on these type of 3d printed minis that perhaps is not quite the same like in the plastic or metal ones or anything else so any techniques or, or if they are the same just sort of so that people can realize that you know it's it's kind of the same thing at the end of the day but yeah if, if you could pick one one mini that you've printed and then produced and sort of had it on the other end and be like yeah that was awesome which one would it be mm, i think for me like I printed off a Deadpool bust. One of the one of the first things I printed off was a Deadpool bust, and yeah. I absolutely loved the the sculpt of it. it. Had really good like character, and it was at a time where I was wanting to try oil paints as well. So wow. I printed this off, and since I was trying a new technique, I thought this will be a good model for it because at the end of the day, it didn't actually cost that much in resin. So just primed it up as as I would normal with any miniature. Did my Xenophil as I would any miniature normal acrylic paints. Uh, and then I started going at it with oil paints and had a lot of fun sort of like experimenting with it. And the larger sort of size of it meant I had more room to work with. And um, yeah, it was, I was pretty pleased with how it turned out. It's not the best thing in the world. I, I, I kind of didn't spend as much time as I thought I would in the end, but um, it sits on my shelf and it looks at me every day and, and I enjoy, enjoy it being there. So it's just one of the first things I did and had a ball throughout the whole process from finding the mini to getting it off the print bed and then trying something new with it as well. Sounds pretty cool. And I mean, Deadpool is, is awesome, as I'm Josh. <laughs> Josh will say the same, I know he will. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so mine is probably... A werewolf I printed from Custom Play Range. Um, it's the only really 3D printed miniature I've actually painted. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm painting many while printed. Um, but I, I love werewolves and I just love this stance. And I mean, it's only small. Um, it's a pretty cool mini. But um, yeah, it's it, it's just a joy to paint. And 
but um, I'm a massive fan of werewolves and um, the heroic base misprinted a bit, so I couldn't really sell it, but it was still usable. Mm. So I'll put on a heroic base and uh, and it it just looks awesome. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I'm I'm not the best painter in the world, but I, f- I think I did a good job with that um, for my standards anyway. And oh, yeah, it was just a joy joy to paint and really enjoyed it. Um, and from that perspective, for the both of you, um, have you noticed like does the paint like if you use say I don't know I guess the average person in the hobby would use maybe Citadel or army painter if they are not very experienced or if they're just sort of going with the basics so if, if we say citadel paints do do this type of minis and, and this resin take to it in the same way than you know something that would come out of a box from gw do as well or have you noticed some perks on how the paint sort of is absorbed by it or anything like that no, nothing at all. It just it's kind of like you think four twelve miniatures and the fine cast stuff yeah. are all resin. No, it's a different type of. Uh, I've not noticed anything weird happening. I tend to cure mine, try and overly cure them. I imagine if someone maybe doesn't cure their miniature enough, it might act a wee bit weird. Um, yeah, it's it just seems like normal. Right. Just spraying a lot, and I've done a few with them, and we use it on nothing. Nothing that I've noticed. So just because um. I think you've just mentioned on that um, just briefly, Josh. What is this thing about clear resin and, and the problem you are having with it and, and why why this clear resin matter? I don't know why, um, but when I like, in, you know, in um, prime miniatures with clear resin, it always seems to not stick very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, resin comes in all different colours. It doesn't really matter what colour you have. Um, I normally use grey for selling stuff. Um, I quite like blue for myself, um, for personal use. Um, mainly because I'm see if I spill it, I can see it quite clearly. Oh, where it is. Um, but clear resin is just like transparent, basically, just no color into it. Um, you can get like um, uh, green um, transparent resin, uh, which I use to print Rob's bottles off in it. Um, mm. you know, and stuff. So um, you can get. But I always find priming in clear is a lot harder hmm. um, for some reason. Um, but it might be just me because, yeah, <laughs> I don't have a problem with the resin. So right, I suppose you just use whatever's cheapest apart from that. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I always buy grey for selling stuff if, hmm. if I can, you know. Yeah, um, I can just... Sorry, you go. No, I was, I was just going to say, I try and stick with the same resin type because I think they, like you need to sometimes adjust your settings ever so slightly for other types. So I'm just fearful of like, I know what works. So I'm just going to keep putting that in the printer. So I'm always buying the same one over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was purely curious as to why, why there would be different colors of resin. Because, I mean, this is, I don't know if normally, but majority of the time, even if it's not in hobby stuff, I, I see this being painted anyway to mm. cover any, I don't know, I guess any residues or whatever. So I'm kind of wondering, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> why? <laughs> why is it multicolor resin? So the clear resin, a lot of people do like sort of glass looking ornaments and oh, stuff. Like that I didn't so, think about that. That's, yeah, so. That's um, smart. But um, I always find it hard to keep it crystal clear because when you go now you can turn yellow or go cloudy right. oh. so um 
Yeah, yeah I'll I never didn't think it would be nice and clear in it, the end. Yeah, yeah, because I did a the kids did a Christmas display um, at home for Christmas for school, mm-hmm. and I, I printed off some um, clear reindeers and that. So now and stuff like that, but they still want to be yellow and that because yeah, mm. um, it's quite hard to master. I think to get the crystal clear finish on to them. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I guess you could make stuff that sort of looks like ice or whatever. Or, yeah. 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 But that's that's also a good thing to keep an eye out for people who maybe try and, you know, be aware that there is, un- be aware, unlike I was, that there is different <laughs> resin colors. And obviously, you know, some of them may have a different intended um, result once you cure it, if you are not careful. So there is a, you can get water washable resin as well. I've never yeah. tried yeah. it yet. But I, that's like. I've tried it once. How did it go? I hated it. <laughs> it, it. I'll be honest, it was more pain in the ass than actual putting it in IPA and doing it because uh-huh. you got every, you've got everything set up for that anyway, normally. Yeah. So you have to find a new tub for the water washable, washable one and stuff like that. And it's just, it was just a pain. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> so what's, um, what's the difference with this one? So water washable one, you literally can just wash your water, then cure it without oh, putting it in IPA. See. Um, but yeah, I found it more of a pain to do. I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's one of these ones I've, I've it's like I just don't want to try it out because it's that fear of having to clean up after it and change yeah. it all back. And yeah, so I just guess it. But I know it's out there, and I'm, I just think some people quite enjoy using it. But I don't really see. I've got all yeah. this IPA now, so. And you can't get through that and then maybe think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted to try the plant-based resin next to give that a go. Well, mm. um, obviously, it's bad for the environment as well. Yeah. Um, is, uh, can you put that down the sink or is that is that still no, um, you, for that? No, <laughs> still can't put down the sink, no. But, um, yeah. yeah. I was going to also ask about that. See, you keep mentioning things. I know I'm running out of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, when when you said, you know, obviously it's better for the environment and particularly, you know, Aaron, since you kind of, you know, have your, your day job relates to it. <laughs> um, this was something that I think also when they started coming out, it made me a bit reluctant because I I take these things quite seriously. And I was wondering, oh, is this going to create like a lot of, you know, I, I get already quite triggered by the amount of waste that just a warhammer box can create like seriously mm. it drives me up the wall and i mean i'm I'm just in awe by all of the craft that people can do from spruce and i wish i was better at that sort of stuff <laughs> which is partially one of the reasons why i've really limited the amount of money and time i spend in the hobby just because there's just so much crap that comes with it yeah. and and it just you know I'm, I'm just apprehensive to add more to that um just you know that's just my my view but yeah from from the point of view of that sort of sustainability aspect or eco-friendly aspect there i know that there is a few things like i know someone mentioned that there is um i i can't remember who it was but yeah there is like a plant base or something like that resin that you can sort of use for these type of things and, and whatnot so i was wondering if you guys were aware of the sort of more green alternatives or or things that are sparking up because obviously as technology develops they often come about um as we need to be a bit more responsible so can you tell us 
whatever as much so, or little that you know i don't know much about it but i think it's made with uh soya beans or something the plant-based one or uh-huh. um instead of whatever it's made i don't know what bread is made after but, <laughs> um, but you know um but yeah it's made from like plant it's plant-based obviously uh soya plants and whatever um so yeah it's um that's all it's quite new, actually. They launched it a month or two ago. So. Oh, right. Okay, so it's, like, proper. Right? Yeah, so it's quite new on the market. Um, you can also get, like, jewellery casting resin as well, which is really expensive, um, <clears throat> which you 3D print jewellery to, like, cast in metal and stuff like that. Oh. Um, wow. Which is a whole different subject, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there is a, obviously you get like plastic ball every time you buy a ball of resin, but I yeah. keep mine and then put my waste into them. So they're not kind of like getting, I'm not just, because I don't really know how recyclable stuff is with all this resin in it and can't really wash it out down the sink or anything. So I just tend to pour my dirty water, old IPA and stuff back into these bottles and then of collecting them at the and moment to take to the, <laughs> to the dump at some point. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably where they have to be taken to some the hazardous waste section of the dump. But I um, don't really know yet, so I'll figure that out maybe <laughs> when I can get out to dump properly again. No, yeah. but that's, you know, that's also good for people to know if you're doing it at home. You know, you don't want to be pouring stuff that you're unsure down the sink and then end up with plumbing problems yeah, in the property, let alone the environment. So, yeah, yeah. I don't resin dump sink. It um, yeah, it can <laughs> really it can ruin a lot of water per like the amount. Like you put a drop or something, and it ruins like a, a lot of water basically. So wow. you don't want to do it. <laughs> no, I mean, so, that makes sense. I mean, resin is essentially just plastic, isn't it? It's um, yeah, or some some fun. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna, you know, there is re- there will be resin dump sink whether you you know go on your hands, you wash it, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so, but yeah, but of you, course, you yeah. don't pour pour you know your dirty water down the sink no um or wash the resin directly off your miniature into a sink (laughs) i don't know why anyone would do that but i'm pretty sure there's people out there with 3d printers who are just these people who don't really just want to do things as quickly and not really think about anything and yeah and there's probably liters of resin getting washed out in sinks every every day across the country but yeah it's mm. the same with anything isn't it yeah, well i think lovely. i think in terms of just kind of being eco-friendly i i suppose you you might be you know making less waste in general than uh you know a larger production would such as games workshop mm-hmm. because yeah, cause you don't need to worry about all those sprues and stuff do you i suppose i mean yeah, well, I'm using as much as you can efficiently as you can. I mean, you got yeah. your sports, which you're probably chucking a bin because most of them, yeah, are, you know, um, obviously, depending on what you print, is on how many sports you're throwing a bin and whatnot. Hmm. Um, but yeah, make uh, sure that, um, sorry, make sure they completely cured before you bin them. Obviously, you right. don't want to, you know, because obviously it's still resin, so you don't want yeah. to throw uncured resin in the bin. Well, I think this is really as far as I can push it. So <laughs> I, I suspect this is where we end for today. Um, if you guys have anything that you would like to say to anyone listening, this is your last chance. So the floor is open. If you do, otherwise, um, this is it. 
Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, if anyone ever has any questions or whatnot, feel free to ask away. I'm always, I always like talking about all sorts of nerdy crap. So <laughs> I'm always around. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Same again. Uh, thanks for having me. And um, if you are on about getting a 3D printer, I highly recommend it. Um, mm. It's very fun to learn. And, you know, it's. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite affordable these days as well. Um, yeah, you've definitely know. both made me kind of think of it again after not for a couple of years. <laughs> and just you wait, because Alex's birthday is next week, so you will get a message going like, <laughs> I bought myself a 3D printer. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. Uh, no, well, that's that's. thank you. It's great. So thank you so much for coming and actually clearing this up and actually making it very digestible. Like... If I can follow this up, and like I said, and, and people that have been listening to us for a while know that I am pretty thick with this sort of stuff. If I can follow that, nah. you know, it's it's foolproof. Um, and genuinely, thank you for making it, yeah, just accessible and understanding and, you know, user-friendly, which was really the, the thing that I wanted to get out of this and for sharing your experiences with us. So, yeah, if any of you listening... Um, are interested in what these guys are doing we have their instagram profiles on our post and yep. uh, of course their etsy shops as well so you know go and have a look because they do some pretty cool stuff and yeah thank you so much for listening again thank you for taking us to episode 30 and thank you for making it a blast yeah and that's it for tonight thanks everyone. thank you oh, thank you